Welcome to Take Notes, SMB Global Rating's structured finance podcast and the credit events of your day. Tune in as your hosts, Jim Manzi and Tom Shoplocker, explore hot topics across the structured finance and global markets. Hello and welcome to Take Notes. I'm your host, Tom Shoplocker, and joining us today is analyst Doug Patterson, who recently told us about electric vehicles in ABS, and today is going to discuss the new buy now, pay later securitization space. Welcome back to the podcast, Doug. Hi, Tom. Good to be back on the podcast. Buy Now, Pay Later, or BNPL, is a form of consumer credit that allows consumers to pay for goods and services in installments. Assuming the customer pays on time, this type of borrowing is generally interest-free. If payments are missed or extended, however, lenders may then charge interest and other fees. The rise of e-commerce and online shopping apps, particularly during the pandemic-related lockdowns, have spurred rapid growth of BNPL lending. Yet variations of this type of financing have been around for years. To start off, Doug, how does BNPL differ from traditional point-of-sale financing or traditional store credit? It's a good question, and actually there are many similarities. So the key differentiating factors for BNPL are that the loan terms are generally shorter and interest-free, and credit is usually provided very quickly. The lending is generally facilitated by fintech and underwriting is often less extensive in comparison to traditional consumer finance. So in reality, BNPL is more of an evolution of these traditional lending types than something that's brand new. Traditional balance sheet lenders derive most of the revenue from the interest and fees collected on loans, specifically net interest margin minus provisions for losses. What are the primary sources of revenue for BNPL platforms? So BNPL platform's primary source of revenue are from retailers who pay a percentage fee of the purchase amount, and in some cases, a small flat fee. As a result, BNPL providers have materially less skin in the game than traditional lenders, posing a potential risk to underwriting standards and loan quality. Late fees and penalties are often a material source of revenue as well. BNPL while making up only 5% of overall UK e-commerce transaction value in 2020, is growing at 60 to 70% annually. Despite the growth, we have yet to rate a BNPL-backed securitization in Europe. I know that S&P Global Ratings has rated the Zip Master Trust BNPL transaction in Australia. So what would be some of the key considerations for rating BNPL securitizations in Europe? So I think the key considerations which we'll expand on during the course of the podcasts are really regulatory and operational risk, uh, along with the traditional credit risk, which could potentially lead to a ratings cap. The BNPL sector has generally been subject to looser regulation than traditional consumer and credit card lending. But I understand the regulatory focus on BNPL is increasing as the market matures. Tell us more about this. So if we look at the UK first, BNPL is currently not covered by existing consumer credit regulations in most circumstances. There are exemptions for some credit agreements when the contract is interest-free and will be paid in 12 or fewer instalments within 12 months, and the credit is not conditional on interest or other charges. This exemption applies even if the borrower might incur subsequent charges, such as late payment penalties. The Financial Conduct Authority is developing new regulations for the sector. These are likely to cover affordability assessments, credit checks, and treatment of consumers in financial difficulty. 
While advertising for BMPL products must currently observe the broad rules laid down by the UK Advertising Standards Authority, the updated regulations will likely bring it in scope of the FCA's more stringent rules on financial promotions. The FCA has raised the concern that many consumers may be unaware that BMPL products are actually a form of credit and they do not realise that such borrowing is covered by the protections of a regulated service and in some cases may struggle to manage debts across several lenders. Under the regulation, requirements to treat customers in financial difficulty with forbearance and due consideration may involve reducing or suspending future interest or charges and agreeing to arrangements to pay, which could have potential impacts on a securitisation. If we look at the EU more broadly, the European Commission has also published proposals to change rules in the Consumer Credit Directive. If approved, BNPL lenders may be affected by these provisions, particularly those related to affordability checks and penalty fees. A key aim of these regulations is to ensure greater protection for consumers and to improve transparency. The European regulatory landscape for BNPL products is therefore changing very quickly, with the potential to substantially affect some of the business models. The impact of any new regulations will likely vary significantly between individual BNPL lenders, given that different providers use widely different underwriting standards, implement different fee structures, and have various processes for complaints handling, for example. As the regulatory environment for BNPL lending continues to mature, many platforms will likely adapt by increasing their compliance and control functions. Although this may improve the quality of underwriting, the increased costs may reduce some lenders' profitability. Regulatory or legal developments are therefore likely to affect lenders' business models and may have an impact on a potential BNPL securitisation. Okay, now, if we were to rate a securitisation backed by BNPL assets, we would apply our asset-specific criteria but adopt a case-by-case approach. Tell us what would be involved and provide some examples of how origination standards might play a role. Yeah, so BNPL lenders are evolving their business operations and strategies. It's a fairly nascent industry and they continue to experiment with new products with varying degrees of success. We pay close attention to origination standards and underwriting criteria and how practices compare with established consumer and credit card lenders. In analysing a BNPL-backed securitisation under our criteria, we would review servicing and collection practices, as well as charge-off policies. The BNPL target market, for example, may be an area of risk if it was aimed at individuals with weak or limited credit records who would not qualify for more mainstream consumer loans or credit cards, and weaker underwriting standards could affect the performance of the underlying assets in a BNPL securitisation. So it's important to note that we understand that there are a diverse range of business models within the BNPL sector. If we look more closely at underwriting, for example, although some BNPL lenders undertake full credit checks on borrowers, some only conduct soft checks before lending, which do not create a credit bureau record for other lenders to see. Other BNPL lenders do not report their loans to the credit reference agencies at all. Lenders, therefore, cannot always determine if a customer already has multiple loans from other creditors. This may allow an already indebted borrower to take out more loans and may prevent lenders from accurately checking affordability. So clearly underwriting standards represent one very significant form of risk. 
So underwriting standards are one form of risk to consider. Can you elaborate on some of the other forms of risks that would be associated with securitizations of BNPL assets? Yeah, so as you say, Tom, there are risks from a variety of sources, including operational, legal, and credit, some of which we have already covered. Some of the risks simply stem from the lack of historical information. For example, despite some BNPL platforms now having established operating histories, most providers have operated only through a period of benign economic expansion in a low interest rate environment and have not been tested during an economic downturn. BNPL businesses may be particularly vulnerable to a turn in the credit cycle and rising interest rates, given the interest-free nature of the product and the high-volume, low-margin lending model. Furthermore, some BNPL lenders may be dependent on a small number of retailers or products, and this could introduce concentration or set-off risks into a securitization. While traditional balance sheet lenders derive most of their revenue from the interest and fees collected on loans, i.e. net interest margin minus provisions for losses, BNPL platform's primary sources of revenue are from retailers who pay a percentage fee of the purchase amount, and in some cases a small flat fee. Another area of review includes the lender's mix of institutional balance sheet and securitisation funding to determine the breadth and depth of their financial support. Funding diversity is important, as an over-reliance on one form or institution, for example, can lead to liquidity shortfalls, should that market or institution's lending appetite diminish. Similarly, any substantial dependence on securitisation for funding is risky, should that market experience a dislocation, as it did between 2008 and 2009. Also, because many platforms are not yet profitable, we would consider not only the existing equity capital available to absorb losses, but also what the prospects are for the BNPL's future capital raises and their strategy for achieving this. Some BNPL players use the product as a method to acquire customers and cross-sell more profitable financial products, such as higher margin loans or insurance. Therefore, in rating a BNPL securitization, we believe it's important to evaluate the overall strategic importance of its BNPL lending activities. And if these are, in fact, profitable and sustainable on a standalone basis. Alignment of interest between the originator and potential asset-backed securities investors may also be weaker, given the fee structure of the business model. In a sector rife with competition, retailers may gravitate to BNPL lenders with the highest acceptance rates or most liberal underwriting policies in order to boost the sales volumes. So in summary, we believe the risks linked to securitizations of BNPL assets may exceed those associated with traditional consumer ABS and could lead to ratings caps. However, we would assess these on a case-by-case basis depending on the factors we've discussed today. I'd like to thank our guest, Doug Patterson. His new paper, Buy Now, Pay Later Securitizations, What Are the Risks?, is available on our website, www.spglobal.com forward slash ratings. We'll catch you next time on Take Notes. To subscribe to Take Notes or to view our analyst research, go to spglobal.com forward slash ratings. Thank you for listening to Take Notes with Jim Manzi and Tom Schopflocker.